Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. Well, it has been an eventful week for both the British and Irish Lions and the Springboks who have had their preparations for the up-and-coming Test Series severely affected by Covid. The Lions still managed to play two games, but five members of their touring party are in self-isolation after an outbreak of the virus. And, well, as for the Springboks, their preparations for the Test have just gone all over the place. Their second warm-up game against Georgia was cancelled due to the Covid outbreak and Captain Sayer Colosi is in doubt for the first test after testing positive. There are now more than 20 cases, actually 26 I think, 14 of which are players I believe uh, in their camp and well, you know, who knows what they're going to do when they've played just one game since winning the World Cup in 2019. The former Springbok and Southern Kings director of rugby, Robin Kempson, will join us shortly to discuss the state of the Springbok squad and also to chat about a very, very strong looking South Africa in quotes, brackets, in quotes, A-team, who will take the Lions on on Wednesday. Elsewhere, Warren Gatland has called up England fly-half Marcus Smith as cover for Finn Russell, who looks likely to miss the remainder of the tour. Caps an incredible month for the Quinns fly-half, who won the Premiership and made his England debut. One of his mentors at Harlequins is the former New Zealand fly-half, Nick Evans, a good mate of mine, and he'll join us to discuss the rise and rise of Marcus Smith. And as ever, we'll have the latest on the rest of the Lions tour, including, which would be a properly miraculous, a potential return for the former captain, Alan Wynne-Jones, and a call-up for an Ireland hooker. Delighted to say, alongside me making his full contact debut, is the former Ireland and Lions winger, Tommy Bull. Hello, Tommy. Hey, Brian. Have <laughs> yeah. you ever, in one week, had so many topics to no. discuss? No. I mean, it has been insane. No, and I was thinking earlier, well, we'll chat about that from this angle, then it changed, then it changed and changed again. Look, you, you were expressing some concerns on TV, I know, about the rise in the COVID cases. Um, bearing in mind they've managed to shoehorn bits in, do you still think there's a possibility that the test series is in jeopardy? No, I don't think the test series is in jeopardy, but the way I saw it yesterday, there were 26 COVID cases in the Springbok camp. 14 of those were players. Now, we see they've named a squad for the South African A team coming up on Wednesday. That seems that maybe a few of those players have come out of that, that they're showing negative tests from there. 
But when you think that we're potentially 11, 12 days still from the first test, what trouble could still come ahead in those, you know, 11, 12 days? I mean, how many more cases are we going to see? So should we maybe just crack on? Should we just <laughs> pick a Lions test team and play it on Wednesday, play it on Saturday, or even just let's just do it this Saturday and let's get started? Because well, the longer this goes on, the more I worry that something is going to happen in the middle of this middle of the series and it could be cancelled. Well, look, from a Springbok point of view, they took the decision. I don't agree with it, but uh, the, the Kiwis did it as well to keep all their test players away from the Lions, not let them play for any of the provinces, so that when the Lions suddenly jumped up to the first test, they got a severe uh, dose of reality, you know, in the increased uh, nature of physical game, reaction time and so on. Now, they've had to go back on that. Given that they've picked what is nearly, you know, a full-strength test team. Absolutely. Do you think the Lions will be better mirroring it with nearly a full-strength first test squad or keeping going on the plans that Warren Gatland, we know, will have had to mix and match and play certain players? Because normally you play nearly the test team on a Saturday before, so they get seven days rest. What, what do you think you would, what would you do? What will he do? Listen, I think Warren Gatland has come out and said he was shocked when he saw <laughs> that South African side. I don't know why he was, because we knew the fact that they've only had one match against Georgia. They've had one game since the World Cup final 20 months ago. Willie LaRue has been playing in Japan. He's not played since May. Mostart is the exact same. So if... Erasmus was wanting to shock the Lions players by the intensity of a test match. What are these guys going to be like? <laughs> so really, it's the South Africans who are the ones who are on the back foot. They need the big matches. They need to acclimatise and get themselves up to test match rugby. And Well, yeah. could, could you therefore um, do the reverse of what South Africa are trying to do and play a, a nowhere near test team yeah. and wait till... You know, wait for the box to get into first test and say, right, we've had our games. We are the battle-hardened side. You've played, um, you know, our second stroke, third string. And let's see how you get on with it. Well, to be fair, listen, we've seen the Lions squad is selected. They've gone strong. So, yes, maybe it's not the team that he would have picked for the first test match, but... That might have been a good option for Warren Gatlin to go and throw. Well, really, is there a weak side within this Lions team? I no. mean, it would be a bit of an insult to allow those players if he picked a team that he felt couldn't even give the South Africans a run for their money. I mean, this is meant to be the best players from the four countries. Some would debate that, but he has picked a squad that he thinks that could do the job. Look, one, one of the things hitherto I've been writing about is when you have substandard warm-up games, You've all, and, and, and it's no insult to the players who are playing from the provinces, but they're not as good as the Springbok Test players because otherwise they would they would be in the Springbok Test squad. But you know, you, the last match on Wednesday against the Sharks, seven forwards on bench, one uh, back. They got a player uh, sent off after forty six minutes. How difficult has it been for for Gatland and you and everyone else to assess just how well the Lions? you know, respective Lions players are playing? It's nigh on impossible. Warren Gatland has had to mix and match. He's had to... The big thing I remember, Brian, whenever I went to my first Lions tour in 2009, Gerald Davies stood up. He said, first things first, it's about winning. It's about getting on with each other on the pitch and that will translate to off the pitch. But it's also about getting to know each other off the pitch as well as on the pitch. And yes... 
the players are stuck in a bubble. They're on top of each other. They can't get away from it. But we haven't been able to see combinations. We haven't been able to see the likes of a nine and ten get a couple of games together where we start to think, oh, they're going to push themselves into the first test. Centre, that's another area. Who is going to start at centre? Right, Who's right. going to start the what, back row? Let's start. Let's start logically. Okay. The back three, which you're eminently qualified to talk about. I mean, he's lucky in this sense. All the players have been playing, you know, mm. out of the skin, haven't they? You know, Van der Merwe has stepped forward. The two Welsh lads, Rhys Zamet, uh, Josh Adams. Uh, Watson, only one game, but we know what he can do. Um, uh, Hogan Williams at fullback, both very good players. Um, an embarrassment of riches, almost. I mean, when it comes down to it, Gatland has to put together not just the attack, but he's also got to have the kick and chase game from the South Africans in mind, which they're very good at. So, bearing those things in mind, um, at the moment, how do you see the the back three? Listen, I think he's going to have to pick from what he knows. I think certainly in the opening matches, Josh Adams, you would have to think he's a nailed-on starter. I would have thought it would have been between him and Van der Merwe for that left-wing slot. My big thing is... I don't know, but there has been rumours that it was Gregor Townsend potentially had COVID within the Lions squad. You would have to think the fact that we haven't seen Stuart Hogg since mm. that first match. Is he suffering at the minute? Is he not quite right? But Or why is he not being given a, a call up to play in any of the matches? So for me, the way I see it going is that Josh Adams will have to, you would have to think he'll start. Even whatever about this Lions tour, he played against South Africa in the World Cup semi-final. He scored a try that day. He was up against Nikosi. He had a brilliant match against him. And I think you need to have a fullback who covers the sp- his space very well. The way South Africa beat England in the World Cup final, they played the backfield unbelievably well. Elliot Daly was all on his own in the back. So I think the way Josh Adams, I'm going for a Liam Williams at 15 and Anthony Watson on the wing. Uh, I just think that the three of them will have enough wherewithouts to, to deal with the likes of the Faf de Klerk box kick and the Andre Pollard putting it into the corner. And they've also got the football ability to try and, uh, and put the ball in behind it and into the corners against South Africa too. So that's the way I see it at the minute. I think Stuart Hogg, before going into this, he was going to be na- my nailed on 15. But we haven't seen him. It's like Robbie Henshaw. These guys are running out of time. Right now, I want to get the view uh, potentially uh, on the 10, 11, 12 axis from someone who is eminently qualified to do that. Uh, really pleased to welcome back Nick Evans, former All Black and current Harlequins coach, mate of mine. Hello, Nick. Brian, how are you? Mate, what a month for Marcus Smith. Does he, how much does he deserve this, in your opinion? Yeah, look, I think he fully deserves it. I think, um, you know, it's as you say, it's been a, it's a whirlwind kind of six months, really, for him, um, you know, starting in January. You know, leading us, being a big part of us, winning a title um, with with Harlequins, uh, and then for me, the real positive step for him was putting on that England jersey, which sometimes can be a bit of a burden for a young player, but to still be true to himself um, and play the way within obviously a structure that that England provide him. Um, he looked positive. He played well, um, and that's no disrespect to, to, to USA and Canada, but he but he played what was in front of him. Uh, and then, and then now he's got the opportunity to go uh, and, and live his dream, uh, and have the opportunity to go to South Africa and, and hopefully um, get an opportunity to put a Lions jersey on. Did Warren Gatland sound out him or you before this decision? Uh, definitely not me, mate. Um, didn't get a didn't get a call from him. Um, I, I would, 
I don't know, like I've, I've heard that he was maybe told beforehand, you could probably um, fill me in on that, whether he was actually told before he played the England game or not. Was it Eddie Jones? Was he? Was Eddie, I think Eddie Jones was told, tell him, that off you go, risk getting injured. Yeah. Uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he was told afterwards, he yeah. came out and said, I thought I was in trouble when they pulled me to one side, <laughs> which is just what the lad is like. Look, um, yeah. let's, go to the, let's go to the Lions. Um, if Finn Russell is, is out... Um, it simplifies things in one way. Marcus Smith is the sort of maverick option, creative option uh, to replace him. But then you've got bigger and potentially Owen Farrell, which affects the 12 and 13 axis. What are your thoughts around that very, very crucial 10, 12, 13? Yeah. Look, I, I, look let's be honest. Like Marcus, like Marcus is, is the like-for-like replacement for, for Russell. And I think, one, he's playing well. Two, he's playing um, you know, that, that's to be honest, like Ford um, and, and Sexton haven't played a lot recently. So I, I think he, he, fit, he fits the boat there. Um, but most importantly, he's playing well. Um, and he is a like for like, that kind of maverick, as you put it. But, but just someone who can play what's in front of him and, and open maybe things up when, when, where other people or other players can't see those opportunities. So I think that's uh, one of the big reasons why he, he's over there. Look, I think, I think that's to be honest, like if I'm, I'm going to, Put my head above the parapet. I say I still think it's going to be a bigger to play ten, and I think Farrell will play twelve. I think for me that's kind of where they're going to go. It then just allows you've got two tens that are actually playing. It opens up the bench a little bit more. Um, I heard Tommy talking about there. You know, Henshaw hasn't played a lot. You know, that that's that's a little bit of a worry for me. But I think I'd still put Henshaw in there, um, uh, and then I'd have uh, Aki on the bench to come on and fill that kind of centre opportunity. I, I like Tommy's back three. That that's kind of what I had written down. Um, in, in terms of that cover, and then and then your your, your other back on the bench can be a a, a toss up between Van der Merve or 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 Hog um, for someone that can come on and and really open the game up. So it I, I can't see him not playing Farrell. Um, I just think bigger just maybe operates. And I, I I don't know with Townsend with the way he's looking to attack with the way the lines. I know again it's no disrespect to the the kind of teams they've been playing recently, but. I can just see a little bit more positive in, in the way they're looking to play the game, um, and I think bigger will allow that. But I just think you need you need Farrell there as a, as a twelve as that leadership, goal kicking. And I know bigger's good, but he just he, he adds that big kind of temperament. If you were lining up a back line up against the line speed that we know that South Africa are going to pick, is it a case of just trying to put the ball in behind Billy Larue? You know he comes up so high, so fast, and try and get the blindside wingers to come across because. If they try and front up against that South African backline, it's going to be pretty dangerous. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. I think attacking kicks are going to be a big part of the game, and I think Bigger's got that in his armory. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit more so than Farrell. Um, certainly, Marcus has got that. Um, but also having another kicking option right outside him uh, in Farrell is going to help that even more. You know, that one extra pass brings that line speed up even more um, and then exposes that backfield, especially behind open wings. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I need to... This, this A game is going to be a really interesting game because, you know, it almost looks like a South African test team, uh, you know, with, when you look at some of the names in there. And it'll be a bit of a clue on how the South Africans are going to, de- one, especially defend against the Lions. So I think within that, we'll give a little bit of an indication on how maybe... South Africa to go go about it, and then give a little, a few clues to to Townsend, especially on how maybe they can look to break that down with uh, with their accesses around that ten twelve. Uh, I tell you what's interesting. Um, I mean, I know social media is, is not everything, but it's, it's a reasonable builder. The difference between 
players, former players, coaches, on the view of Owen Farrell and ordinary fans is stark. You know, a lot of <laughs> ordinary fans, especially Kelts, just say nowhere near the test, nowhere near, nowhere near it at all. But time after time, his name keeps coming up as a, a person to pick. Um, can you both just, uh, Tommy first, then Unit, tell us, you know, why there seems to be do- such a disparity in views? I think he's the perfect person for the likes of the Irish, the Welsh to hate because he is so in your face. He's so confrontational. But I know as a player wanting somebody like an Owen Farrell on your on the pitch beside you, the barking, at it, you just have to watch him. He's constantly screaming to his teammates. He's constantly on their backs, trying to push them on, picking them up off the ground. So in terms of a leader on the pitch, yes, he might not be picked as captain going into those test matches, but he will lead from the front. He is well able to get stuck in. And I just think you watched him in that, that game where he played a 10. He is able to play with his eyes up. Those kicks through, he was able to see the space. He was able to force offloads. And yes, he hasn't played a huge amount of top-level rugby this season. I still think he's that class above. And I think that he will definitely start in the first Test match, whether it is 10 and 12. Uh, I would be a bit like Nick. I think that they're going to go bigger at 10 and Farrell at 12. And I just think if Robbie Henshaw doesn't play this weekend in that match against the Stormers, he's going to run out of time. Nick? Yeah, I, I, it's, I agree with Tommy. Um, can't add much more really there because he's the pen, classic pantomime villain, isn't he? Like, coming from a New Zealand point of view down there in 2017, I just all I heard was like, foul this, foul that. But for me, it's, it's the respect that you see from the All Blacks when they, when they communicated with him, when they talked to him after games, you know, you see pictures with him. You know, he is a competitor. He, is, he uh, personifies competitiveness in the, in, in the world of rugby. And I think you need someone like that. Um, you know, you, we don't have Alan Wynne-Jones there. He, he, he personifies that for me as well. Yes, there are other players there. You know, Murray, uh, fully competitive as well. But he is a guy that will demand when the, when the going gets tough, when big moments in the game come along, he will be the one that will stand up. Uh, he'll be the one that will lead. He will talk. He'll communicate. Um, and I, I agree with Tommy. He, you loathe to play against him, but you want him in your team. You know, you want him right, but you go in the trenches with him. Like you just mentioned with Murray, Murray's never captained a team before. Yes, he leads by performance, Mm. but he's not a very vocal player. And Dan Bigger is extremely vocal, but they need somebody with that voice in the back line. And Owen Farrell will be that player. Uh, Can I both ask you this? Uh, Elliot Daly, um, playing in what I think is his best position anyway at our side centre, can cover three, possibly four actually, places properly. Um, will he almost, I mean, I would think he'd almost certainly be in a starting test squad just because, you know, as we all know, it's not the injuries between games, it's the injuries in games that actually kill you, the ones that you can't cover. So do you think that's likely? I let Nick go with that for the coaches. Had on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, you've got a great point. Um, I think that versatility to cover positions is, is going to be crucial because let's be honest, it's a flip of a coin on who's not going to get COVID or not. So, uh, at the moment, you know, we, we're trying to put test teams together, but we don't know what's going to happen next week with, with whatever happens through COVID or injuries or things like that. You know, people are carrying little knocks and injuries, little hammies, you know, for Henshaw. You know, we know what um, uh, Finn Russell's got. So I think someone, you know, the, the game I feel now uh, leans towards players that can really fill in 
different multiple positions. You know, it's kind of come full circle again, as rugby tends to do. It used to be like we need Jack, uh, we need someone who's really specific position to, to go in there and dominate their position. But now, you know, someone like Elliot, Elliot Daly is invaluable. You know, someone that can be maybe be on the bench, cover 13, everyone in the, everywhere in the back line opens up the ability for especially that kind of 10, 10, 12 axis. If you're going to play bigger and feral, it opens up that bench opportunity. If you do have an Elliot Daly to, to really kind of gamble on, on maybe one of those positions. So, um, yep, I, I certainly think I, I haven't got him there in there at the moment, um, but he's certainly someone that, that that's close um, yeah. to, I, I, to, I don't, to getting that. I don't think that. that you need him in the squad, Brian, if you've got Bigger and Farrell there. You've got two guys who are well able to goal kick. Even Connor Murray has shown that he can goal kick at test level. And I think if you've got a Bundyaki on the bench, like Nick mentioned, then you want an impact player. If you're, if we were just mentioned there that Stuart Hogg isn't going to be in the starting 15, imagine Stuart Hogg coming off the bench, the impact that he could have. And against the South Africans, we know they're going to bring on the bomb squad. We know they're going to be bringing on these big bruisers. So it's a case of bringing on somebody like a back, like Stuart Hogg, who can really light it up, as opposed to Elliot Daly, who's just going to fill in the gaps. Nick, we'll, uh, we'll have to let you go, um, but enjoy your summer, what you, what you can get of it, and uh, come back and speak to us later. Thank you very much, guys. Time now to get a South African point of view. We're pleased to say Robbie Kempson is with us, former Springbok and Director of Rugby at Southern Kings. Insofar as you've known, I know this is difficult, what is the COVID situation? Because we've heard so many Springbok players and management, I think it was 26, 14 players, uh, have had this. Um, can you give us an update? Yeah, listen, there's six players that definitely have it, and then there's quite a large contingent of the backroom staff that have it as well. Um, they've remained in Johannesburg, where the rest of the squad that's going to play on uh, Wednesday has flown down to Cape Town. Um, they're in Cape Town preparing for the SAA game on Wednesday. So, um, yes, a bit of a setback, you'd think, from a South African perspective, particularly in view of them trying to, uh, you know, get ready for the Test Series. Uh, but chatting to their communications manager, uh, Andy Calhoun, the most important thing for them is to get this SAA game underway, give, give uh, both sides an opportunity to have a competitive fixture. And then to ensure that both the Lions and South Africa are ready for the Test Series. Um, and they're doing absolutely everything they can to ensure that that Test Series goes, goes ahead uh, with no with, well, with as little problems as possible, particularly regarding the COVID situation in South Africa at this present time. Well, they've had to reverse their decision to keep all the Test players away from the Lions, which I understood, didn't agree with, but I understood it. Um, so that's not it. But I, can you tell me, I can't conceivably think... With players like Khaleesi, I understand that uh, um, Pollard is one, that they've been able to train properly. Have they? Or, 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 or is it restricted or, or what? No, I've been very restricted. So um, literally this, they've had two training sessions, one yesterday and one today with uh, the squad here that's uh, come down to Cape Town. They've been very restricted, as were the Lions for that, you know, the, the previous games last week. So they haven't had training sessions. So that really has scuppered what could have been a build-up to a very good test series. The, the, the failed game against Georgia, the second test, was also a bit of a concern, uh, which is why I think you can see the, the SAA side, they call it, is playing this week, uh, is pretty much a shadow test side as opposed to an SAA side. So um, he's, he's going to have to give these guys, uh, particularly his frontline test players, game time as an SAA team on Wednesday. There's another side of this as well, Brian and Robbie, is that 
getting COVID is quite a serious thing. If you think of the likes of Khaleesi as Mostard, we don't know what other players have had COVID, but it's not something that you just shake off. You know, certain players maybe have it, they don't have symptoms, but this could be a real worry for the likes of Erasmus. Going into three test matches, will those players be able to get themselves back up to speed, Robbie? Have you heard anything in terms of the recovery of those guys, what they're going to have to do to try and get themselves back into position where they can play at the top level again? Yeah, Tommy, at this present time, I think the biggest concerns um, in view of the fact of the test matches, Bongi and Banambi, um, who's the starting test hooker, and Sia Khaleesi, the captain. So um, at this present time, they, they say mild symptoms. Um, you never know what's the okay. truth coming out of the camps. But uh, certainly, yes, you're right. I think for do you think that Sia and or Bongi would be ready for that first test match? I think it's unlikely in view of where they are at this present time. And potentially the second test match would be a good Good, uh, you know, hit out for them if they if they're ready by that stage. But certainly, um, everyone has been inoculated in South Africa regarding the professional sportsmen, the profe- certainly the professional rugby players. So um, the, the symptoms should be uh, way less than uh, perhaps from a normal COVID situation. And some of these players have had COVID before. Uh, I'm talking about during our, our domestic season. So and they have managed to overcome it fairly successfully. So let's hope that's the case with these guys at this present time, Tom. Razi Rasmus has said he wants another. Uh, game before a test series, said another match against the Lions this Saturday makes more sense from a safety perspective. It it does in one sense, but you, I wouldn't have thought you want the same players playing um, you know, in three, four days uh, turn turnaround. I can't see that's particularly good, um, but I suppose it would get game time under the belt. I mean, nothing's ideal. So how what do, what would you do? What do you think they will do? Um, yeah, Brian, to be honest with you, I think, you know, if you look at the, the side he's selected for the A, the a game, uh, a guy like Peter Steph Tutoya, I, I don't see him running the full 80. I, you know, I, I potentially see him running 40 and then Reinhard Alstead getting a run. Um, I don't think he's going to run Itzabeth or Mustard the full uh, 80 either. I think he's going to bring, he's got to have a look at other locks in the South African context. We're very short in that department. So with Lert de Jaka still out, Arcus Neyman still out. Um, so maybe even looking at, you know, Elstead um, on the blind side with Peter Stafford Luck. So he's got a few combinations he's got to work with. Um, but I think your frontline test players that are playing in this game, the guys like Cheslin Colby, that's had a full season. Uh, you know, Damien D'Allender perhaps needs a bit more game time. But a lot of these guys have had full seasons overseas. And I think they'll get limited game time just to get an understanding of where the Lions are at and potentially where Rossi is at with his squad. And I think for that, that second fixture, as you call it, um, he'll start his sort of second stringers and, and bring these big hitters off the bench, uh, just so there's a continuity, particularly from an athlete's point of view. Uh, let me ask you this, Robbie. Uh, number 10 position. I spoke to Bob Skinstat um, and Tinas Delport, and they expressed a bit of concern about the depth here because uh, Andre Pollard, I don't know if... He, I, I heard that he was one of, the, one of the cases, but lack of game time and potential injuries. What sort of cover, what sort of depth have the Springboks got at that crucial position? Um, number 10, uh, to be very fair, we, we've got very little depth. Uh, we have Mornay Stain, who's hitting 36, well, 38 actually at the present time. Um, and after that, you know, very, very limited. Elton Jones, he's not the answer for South Africa. He's been very limited. Um, and he hasn't really shone since he's come back from overseas. And, and much of our local players, you know, haven't really put their hand up to be in the, the sort of the test mix. So Mornerstein would be the fallback. There's no question there. And, uh, you know, worst case scenario, Elton Janches be on the bench and Damien Villens are hitting that uh, 10 channel, uh, which again is a risk. Damien hasn't really played there for the last 
Uh, yeah, either. So we're very short in the fly position. There's no question. So yeah, to, to lose Pollard would be massive. Uh, to lose Bongi would be massive for us. And I, I think from anyone's perspective, if Malherba is also gets COVID at some stage, um, there'd be a, a lot of difficulty on the tight end as well. So we are short in a few positions um, and not just at luck. And uh, if we have injuries in the first or second test match and we're going into the salary in the third, uh, yeah, I think South Africa will be found wanting in certain positions. Uh, final question for you, Robbie. The build-up for both sides has not been ideal, not as they wanted it, but do you think one or other side will come out with a slight advantage because of uh, the changes forced on both camps? Um, to be honest with you, Brian, I, th- I think the, the Lions, this might surprise a lot of people, I think they come out sort of favourites, particularly playing at Cape Town. I really, uh, you know, for all of us, particularly South Africans, I hope that we get back up to Johannesburg to play the second two because that would give us, I think, a slight advantage. But I think the Lions going into this first match do have it in view of the fact that they have game time under their belts. I know it hasn't been great competition for them, but certainly Gatlin's had the opportunity to try combinations. Um, He's had the ability to get his players some game time under the belts. And I think he's almost set on, well, what his test team might just be whereas South Africa will have one decent hit out against the Lions. And after that, you know, not, not really a potentially high-level game to play before a test match. So I think it's advantage to the Lions going to the first one for sure. Well, we're pleased about that. Obviously, you won't be. But, um, uh, I mean, the, 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 the interesting thing is, historically, uh, it shows the Lions if you lose the first test, you, you're, you're not going to win the series. Um, but so... as well as that, Brian, you have to say, like, we want South Africa not to be undercooked. Oh, of like, course we, we want... do. Of course we, we want do. this tour to be competitive. We want South Africa. We want to be coming up against the world champions because this is what the Lions is all about. We don't want to take on a South African side that'll just claim that, oh, we weren't ready for it. Hopefully South Africa get a good hit out this weekend and potentially Erasmus gets his wish and gets another A match this Saturday. Yes, I totally agree with that. Robbie, we've got to leave it there, but thank you very much. Always, always best to get it right from the, the original sources. Thank you, mate. Great, Brian. All the best. All the best, Tommy. Good Cheers, luck, Robbie. The Lions have named their Wednesday side. Watson at fullback, Reese Zamit, 14, Chris Harris, Bundyaki in the centres, Josh Adams on the other wing, Conor Murray and Dan Big, the halfbacks, Wynne Jones, Owens and Sinclair in the front row, Mario Toji and Henderson in the second row, Josh Navidi, Tom Curry and Tolipe Falatau at eight. This is the way Lions goes, as, as, as we know. <laughs> They'll play combinations in games and then put them all together, you know, at the, the last minute. And that's one of the things that players always look at, saying, well, he's going to start. Now, if I'm with him or he's with them, then that must mean, um, oh, that's great or bad. So what, can, what will the players be reading into this, if anything? And, is he, and, and um, bearing in mind the strength of the South African A team, is it good enough to, uh, not to give them a game, but to, to come out on top? Well, listen, uh, it'll definitely give South Africa a game. I mean, it's pretty close to a test match team. The really interesting selection that I think is the one combination I can pick out of that is Ian Henderson and Maratoja. And I think to see them two going up against Etzebeth and Mustard, <laughs> that is going to be fiery. Because if you think about the selection that, that Gatland has made, particularly in the pack, He's gone for big front rows, big, big second rows, but really, really mobile oh. back rows. And if you look at Josh Navidi at six, Tom Curry at seven, and Falatau at eight, 
The only difference I could see to that, I could see Tom Curry starting at seven. I could see Falatau starting at eight, but I could also see Ty Byrne, who's on the bench, starting at six as a line-out option because I think set-piece is going to be so big against this South African team. They have to be able to take them on the line-out. But there'd be a couple of guys who I'd definitely see would be standout. I don't, you would know better than me whether Wynne Jones, Ken Owens and Kyle Sinclair would be getting. I'd be definitely thinking the likes of Ty Furlong would be in there. Who do you think? I mean, do you think... Look, I think whichever front row the Lions pick will will survive. Do you think uh, so? Yes, I think yeah, they'll survive. I think and the, I don't, the front and I don't, rows have struggled a bit, even in the last couple of matches. They, look, they, 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 have, they have struggled, and, and England showed, you know, if you, if you let South Africa into the game in that aspect, yeah. they will simply give it to you, because that's what they do, and they do it well. Mm. I think that's all they need to do, is survive, frankly. Um, there just are other things... Parity just parity. Just parity, just parity. Yeah. Um... So I think they, I, the back row is interesting to me because I was wondering about, I mean, Watson to me um, must be one of the strongest players pound for pound I've seen. Phenomenally strong, it seems to me. And I, and I wondered whether they'd ever toy with playing him and Curry as two out-and-out flyers. Kind of like an Underhill and Curry a little bit? Yeah, like big, I mean, that, that, that goes against your thing. And you're right about the line-out. They'd have to have uh, the, the option at eight for a, a very... Uh, you know, a, a, a very uh, multi-dimensional eight to, to, yeah. to play in the line-out. Um, but line-outs are always things I think you can sort. You yeah, know? but I just think against South Africa, you cannot afford to give them, you, to steal your set-piece. Mm. And I th- just going into that first test match, to be so much pressure on whoever it is, that hooker, to have the option, three options in the line-out, because you're going to be staring down the barrel there. South Africa are going to have these monsters. They have they stepped are, yeah. to top. Steph Toy is a brilliant line-out operator as well. So you want to be parity in that situation too. And yes, I do agree. I mean, that's what England did. They tried to to match, have two really um, six slash sevens almost in that back row. But just given the way the selections have gone early on with Gatland toying between Byrne and Courtney Laws, I think that he's definitely going to go for a big seven, a big six. Well, talking about hookers, and it, it is pressure when you look down a line-out and think, God, where am I going to throw it? Lauren Keller. Um, as um, yeah, off to South Africa. What can you tell us about him? Well, he scored four tries for <laughs> Ireland at the weekend, yeah. uh, albeit it was against the USA. Uh, he he's actually it's funny he's overtaken Rob Herring. Uh, Rob Herring was the starting hooker. You would have to think through the Six Nations, but mainly because of his his line out throw. And Rob Herring is very efficient, very steady, very a, a very good thrower. Kelleher is a young guy coming through. His throwing has been under a lot of scrutiny, but he is powerful. He is a really strong carrier, and. It's an interesting selection for Gatlin to bring him over there. I, I gather he's bringing it over so that they can kind of split up the two teams, so they can kind of have two groups playing against each other. He'll have four hookers and that they can do scrummaging sessions while keeping them in bubbles. So so it's an interesting one. Obviously, Gatlin likes what he sees. He's very efficient at getting around the park. But again, like I say, up against a South African line out where you're a little bit iffy on the throws. It'd be interesting to see how it goes. Well, one player who would have strengthened the line out and... Well, who knows? It'll be all, it'll be Lazarus-like, but can you believe the reports that are coming out that suggesting that Alan Wynne-Jones, who uh, evidently suffered a dis- dislocated shoulder, might be back um, uh, in, in the squad training? I actually can. 
And only because <laughs> Alan jones is like Lazarus. He is the second coming of Lazarus. <laughs> I mean, this man, he is a freak. Listen, I played with Alan jones back at the Ospreys in 2008-2009 for a number of years there. He, it's not the fact that he gives it all on the pitch in the matches. He trains at that level. I remember him not being picked for the starting 15 one side. So he was trying to get in and disrupt our ball and he was lying on the wrong side and he was going, shoo me, shoo me, <laughs> screaming, asking guys to to stamp him out of, the, out of the ruck. I mean, he gives it everything. So for somebody to have played well over 100 test matches, to play so many times the Ospreys and still to be able to recover from this injury. And listen, Warren Gatland gave him that opportunity. There were whisperings that... A dislocated shoulder. It wasn't as bad as they thought that he could be back within three or four weeks. And do you know what, will, Brian? Look, will, would you play him? Will, will they play him? I mean, he's, surely he's got to have some game time. The only way he will play is that if Warren Gatlin truly believed that he would have started in the test matches. Listen, going back to 2013, I broke my hand in the second week of the tour. I literally, I split the metacarpal right down the middle. And they told me that that was my tour over. Broken bone, you're gone home. It's going to take you six weeks. I went to see a surgeon that night and he told me that he has had rugby league guys. He'd stick three screws in it and he could have me back training in two weeks and available to start in three weeks time. And that would have me ready for the second test. And thankfully, Warren Gatland obviously felt that I was worth keeping on the tour. He kept me on. Poor old Tom Croft, who had to room with me, had to had to pretty much cut cut my steak, cut my dinner every day for me. But he kept me on because he felt that I would add to the squad and I ended up playing the second and third test. So there is no doubt about it. Alan Wynne-Jones, if Warren Gatlin thinks that he could be in that test team, he'll be back out in that plane. What will that mean? So I've been thinking about this. Conor Murray didn't expect to be captain. No. Um, so I, I would imagine... If I'd have been in his position and Win Jones is fit, you'd just bow and say, okay, I understand. You were captain first and, um, you know, I, I not my normal role anyway. I, you know, I'll, I'll be happy with that. But what will he do to the squad? Because there must have been a change in focus. Because you know how important the captain is in setting the tone in training and meetings and all that sort of thing. Conor Murray must have been pushed forward to do that, whether he liked it or yeah. not. And then all of a sudden, um, oh, um, let's just swap. Yeah, it's definitely going to change, shift the dynamic a lot. But I would imagine that Conor Murray, he's never even coached a club side, Munster, Ireland. I don't think even think he, he captained a side when he was at school. So this is very much a learning curve from him. And I would imagine he is leaning on the likes of Ken Owens and Owen Farrell, these guys to lead him along. So the thought of Alan Wynne jones coming back to add that little bit of help from him, I'd say he's more, more than happy. <laughs> Conor Murray... He he has to concentrate on getting his starting spot at nine. Yes. Whoever's going to be captain, you know, that just adds an extra burden to whoever that is. But I think that Alan jones if he is fit, if he thinks that he can get back into that starting team again, I think he will add to the squad. Tommy, just, on a gen- just some general points. Um, n- now I've got the chance, uh, thankfully, to, to speak to you. You toured with the Lions 2009, 2013, People from inside the sport sort of know. People from outside of the sport want to know. Why, why is the Lions special? 
you know, I am I'm asked this so I know. often. I know. Particularly but particularly around this tour, because with everything that's been going on in COVID and bubbles and players have been really through the mill in the last 16, 18 months. Why is the Lions, why risk putting your body on the line for the Lions? But I grew up dreaming of playing for Ireland. That was, I remember going to the old Lansdowne Road when I was eight years of age and that was the dream. Then all of a sudden the 97 Lions tour video came out and you saw the likes of the Doddy Weir and you saw the likes of the Keith Woods and Tate and Scott Gibbs. And all of a sudden it, it, it showed me that this is even better. This is the best players from the four countries. It only comes around every four years. It's in a way, it's like our Olympics, that it is such a tough squad to get selected into. You're playing against the world champions and to go and win a test series, it happens so, it doesn't happen. You know, it didn't, it was 16 years, I think, before they won in Australia. So, so to be a part of that is so, so special. So, and then what's even better about it is the Turin fans, the 30, 40, 50,000 fans who come over into uh, into Cape Town or Johannesburg or Sydney and literally take over the city. It's just like nothing I'd ever seen before. And certainly my tour in 2009, it was probably the best memory off the park that I had had in my whole career. Getting to room with Stephen Jones and Tom Croft and Joe Worsley and so many people I would never have that opportunity to do. And, and you know, the, whenever I bump into them now after matches we always go back to those good times um, well of course unfortunately for the Lions and the fans um, the two won't be meeting at all um, which, is a, which is a real shame because it, it does put this Lions tour in a completely different category and I just hope that the Lions players are going to get as much out of it as they can under the circumstances can the, one of the, I had two very distinct tours um, 89 and 93 one winning one losing uh, and there were reasons for that. What are the major differences um, for you in touring South Africa in 09 and Australia in 13? Two really different experiences as well. Obviously, the 2013 was, you know, it was hampered a bit because I was dealing with a broken hand and I couldn't really enjoy getting to know the teammates going off for coffee. I very much had to, I was off tour. I had to do my own thing to try and get myself fit. But the 2009, I think South Africa is the best place to tour. I think it beats Australia, it Why? beats Why? New Zealand. Because it is so immersive. I will never forget going into the stadium in Durban in Pretoria for that second test. The Springbok crowd, it's like soccer. It, I mean, it's what you see whenever you see Man United going to Galatasaray. They are ah. shaking the bus. They're making every gesture at you. Uh, you know, want to literally kill you. And I think then you have on the other side, the Lions fans who've literally saved up for four, nine, 12 years to get down there. And they just love every minute of it. So I think the South Africa tour is the best personally because maybe it was my first tour, but also because I think Ian McGeeken and Warren Gatlin tried to keep it as old tour, old school as they could, while at the same time really having intense training. And I think we just had a really good bond in that squad. Um, Australia, rugby's not the number one sport in Australia. So when we were in Sydney, Sydney, yes, there were 30,000 supporters there, but nobody really knew what was going on. No, 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 that's a fair point. And a lot of the, I mean, league is so dominant there, they just sort of look sideways at you if you're a rugby union player. Um, The game is evolving. Let's leave it on this, um, Tommy. Game is evolving all the time. Talk about global calendars and what have you. Now, of all the fixtures that take up a significant amount of time and it is only once every four years 
But the Lions is an anomaly. You don't need it. You don't need it for the World Cups. Uh, you don't need it for the unions, particularly. Um, apart from the people that the unions get once every 12 years and get an enormous amount of money out of it. Um, do you, and, if, and if, logically, if you had to cut something, it, in pure rugby terms, that would be the one to sacrifice you know, for the global season. But um, I have my own views on this. Do you, do you ever foresee this happening? Do you know, I think that this tour could really have a serious impact on that because there's two things. It's a commercial behemoth. We know that, that the Lions now is not really just about the four countries coming together. This makes serious money. And whether it be sponsors, whether it be for the players, for the unions, if it keeps making money, they will try to make it happen. But the big problem is, is and, and this tour is most important in this, is that if the players don't enjoy it, if the players come away from this tour going, hold on a second, that wasn't much crack. I don't want to be a part of the next Lions. If it comes to the stage where Warren Gatland names a squad and a few players say, no, I don't want to be a part of the Lions because the last one was no fun, then that's when the Lions is in trouble. So I think the most important thing is, yes, we have to have these test matches. Yes, it is very important from a commercial point of view. We know all the unions are struggling money-wise. But I don't know how they're going to do it. I have seen clips and videos of the hotel that the guys are in South Africa at the minute. The crack seems to be good. They seem to be enjoying each other's company. But they have to come away from this tour as a positive experience because if they don't enjoy it, the fans aren't going to be there. So you'd have to wonder where it would go from there. Well, that's all we have time for on this week's Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. A huge thank you to my co-host Tommy Bowen, to my guests Robbie Kempson and Nick Evans. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe? Actually, it's registering because it's free. Check out some of our previous episodes, including our miniseries, Brian's Lions, where I've looked back on previous Lions tour with those who've experienced them firsthand. I'll be back next week for all the latest on the Lions tour and beyond. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.